Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs, and disempowering patterns, and break through to create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. I interview entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to achieve success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information that can help you move past your blocks and move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity. This show is available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, in the Google Play Store, and on YouTube, as well as on my website at winnieanderson.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others, and I hope you'll decide to join my community. You can become a fan of the show on my website at winnieanderson.com fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox along with information, tips, and resources to help you consistently move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity to position and pre-sell yourself as the unique solution provider you are so you profit from your expertise. You know, solo professionals often start businesses because we've had some life-changing experience or we've had a revelation or we've overcome a challenge and now we want to or feel called to help others who are where we used to be. But how the heck do you do that? You know, we often just dive in and are forced to figure it out as we go. Well, I'm hoping to shorten the learning curve for you and all of us who dream of helping others. So this episode is one that I think of as an informal series where I may talk to an entrepreneur about their particular specialty, but also about how they built their business. You're going to meet Ellie Savoy, who is a best-selling author and health coach. She's going to share her thoughts on the importance of maintaining good health for us entrepreneurs, but we're also going to talk a little bit about how she got started and things she did that gave her business a boost. At the end of this episode, I'm going to share some additional thoughts about how you can make your mess your message. So listen in as Ellie shares the health problem that caused her to make necessary changes around her health, the importance of good health for every entrepreneur, things Ellie did to get her business to be successful, and what she'd do differently today, things to be cautious about as you work to build a business, and as always, Listen all the way to the end where I'll share some of my own insight, tips, and things I know now that I wish I had known then. All right, so welcome, Ellie. I'm so excited to finally grab you. We've both been so hectic and crazy busy that it's been hard to get us both on the same schedule. So let's just dive right in here. Uh, I know that you are a best-selling author, you've been in the media quite a bit, and I know you work with people to help them take care of control of their weight, their health, and their lives, but I know you struggled with your own issues for a long time, so let's start out with you telling us about your own struggle with, I'll just say, getting well, because I know it goes deeper than just eating, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on, Winnie. It's such a pleasure. And yes, I was a yo-yo dieter for over 25 years and for as little as five pounds even because I was never um, a chubby child. I was very active in school sports and things. But my mother was somebody that was often, uh, she really liked her desserts. 
And so, you know, if they were going out to a dinner or some special event, um, she would then be restricting herself for the week. So it's probably, you know, where I learned that behavior um, as we do in childhood. And so I, when I look back into my early 20s, um, you know, I did want to lose some weight. I got at my heaviest when I moved to the, the U.S. in uh, 1998. And I chuckle now looking back because nobody was forcing me to eat those big portions. Um, you know, it was all, it's all a choice, but we love to hang the blame on something or somebody. And so in 2011, I, um, I was diagnosed with two uterine fibroids and my gynecologist gave me four, gave me four options, three involved surgery. One was a hysterectomy and two other horrid procedures. And the other one was to do nothing. And I didn't want surgery. I'd never had surgery. And I thought, you know, this is a wake-up call because um, my, at my heaviest, I was 30 pounds um, heavier than I am now. I was, I'm a type A personality. You can't change your personality. So I've always been an overachiever and a, and a go-getter. The difference now is that I'm still me, but I'm me with more awareness. And so I don't run myself into the ground and get exhausted and then just stop because I am exhausted. And so once I back, go back to 2011, I decided to go on a homeopathic hormone rejuvenation program, which is all natural, and it rejuvenates the hormones. It's not replacement. And uh, I had to get my body back in balance. And basically, that was the start of this journey for, for all these years now. And, you know, we often think that it's we have to do all or nothing. That was a big step for me. I'm so thankful that I had that wake up call. Um, but it's it's a journey like this is a lifestyle. I haven't touched another diet since my life is not complicated. I really enjoy being healthy. It's like it's my number one priority over anything or anybody. Yeah. And that. That might sound selfish to some of our some of the listeners, but it's really it's not being selfish. It's being smart because if we're running around on empty, we have nothing to give any anyway. And I did that for years, but my focus was always on the weight. Um, and actually, I gave a, a, a presentation recently to a women's group, and I spoke about how the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. <laughs> you know, like. We're always focused on our weight, but we're not focused on our health. And when we focus on our health, the weight will take care of itself. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point. I remember hearing Dr. Wayne Dyer, God bless his, rest his soul, he was talking about this as well and how he began to make changes within his own life. And part of it was, and we've talked about this on off camera a little bit, about this commitment to self-care and and the inconsistency that we can then have in our own lives so for example you know his whole life has been uh, was um, personal development and living to your full potential and that sort of thing he started out as a counselor for for ch students and children and and then as a as a teacher and professor and taking responsibility for your life. And then he, he was looking at himself one day and realized that he was drinking too much. 
He was overweight. He had a beer belly. And, you know, this was really inconsistent for what he was saying. So he began to set that intention of, I am at optimum health. And if I'm at optimum health, well, then what am I doing here? And it was a matter of alignment for him. So let's talk a little bit about what then led you to make this really your life's work. I mean, a lot of us have health issues and, you know, we don't decide to change our whole life and profession. So what really drove you to do that? That's a really good question. I've always loved helping people. It's just sort of my natural, my natural thing. I'm kind of melting under the lights here. I hope it's not. I hope I'm not sort of dripping all over this video. I'm so glad you said that because I'm sitting here myself, going, "Holy cow! It's Woo! hot in here." It's so yeah. hot. And um, you know, as I'm recording this, the the uh, weekly lawnmowers are all going off here, so I've had to shut every window. The lights are on. So yes, those of you who are watching this, uh, you you might be watching us spontaneously combine. The beauty is I'm not having a hot flash. I sailed through I sailed through menopause as a result of changing my ways, yeah. let me tell you. That's, that's, a, that's a blessing. Whoop. Anyway, um so I've always loved helping people. My parents actually always used to say I was the gift giver in the family. I was always thinking of others. Um, which was part of the detriment to my own health because I wasn't taking care of myself. Yeah. And when I when I started to see the results that I was getting, my um, acupuncturist actually said to me, Ellie, you would be really good in the health coaching field. And so I went off to get um, my certification um, in as a holistic health coach. And it's sort of been a progressive journey. Um, I started there working with private clients, and um, since then I've moved into group formats, uh, both online and offline. You know, this virtual space we live in today is so um, gives us so much more reach. So I've worked with people all over the world, really. And then I wrote my book in 2015. I felt that would um, oh, I'm actually so I'm perspiring so much; it's unbelievable. <laughs> I can't turn this light off, but you won't see me. Anyway, um, so that led to my book, and that's, you know, as you said, became a bestseller, and uh, lots of people have read it. There's great reviews, and I'm really pleased about that because I didn't write it for myself. I wasn't looking for my own sort of, you know, recognition. I'm on a mission, really, to really help wake people up that this is not just for a few of us. This is not because I've got great genes because I don't. This is because of self-responsibility. And there's a lot of people struggling today. I call it unnecessarily, in part because there's so much confusing information out there about um, health and wellness, nutrition especially, and then it becomes like it's so overwhelming and people don't know where to start or they've done something already, maybe more than one thing, and then come to find out, well, what they were doing wasn't the best thing for them. And that was me even before 2011 when I did go through phases of cleaning up my act and trying to get on a better path. But it wasn't a lifestyle. It was something I was in and out of um, a lot over the years. Right. 
you know, we tend to think that we don't want to give up our favorites. Like we're like a kid, you know, having its favorite toy taken off them. It's like, you know, we're not having that. We're grown up now. We can choose what we want to do. But oftentimes those choices are to our detriment. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you say that because it's just a piece of food. So it, to have that kind of visceral reaction of, I don't want to give this up, I mean, that tells you that there's something not really right there because it's food. I mean, it, what, what, so it shows you there's this deep visceral emotional connection to what we eat, when we eat, how we eat it, and so on. And, you know, you made something, you made a comment that I, I jotted a note down that you're, you were called the gift giver of the family and that you weren't taking care of yourself. And I think that that, especially for women, that is something that we are so cultured to do. We're, we're wired to be givers. And then through conditioning, yeah, we end up sacrificing so much of ourselves that it's hard to find that healthy balance of where we give, but we also receive, and we take care of ourselves first. And I think you also made a great point about this issue of selfishness. That, and I just had an interview with Brody Welsh, who is a Chinese medicine expert and holistic health person and board certified herbalist and she was really talking about this same issue that self-care is not self-ish but we seem to think that it is so anyway off my soapbox so you were you worked in corporate life first right you had a corporate career and then you had this health issue and then you decided to transition to to self-employment is that right well, I came to America in 1998. I had um, not had a ton of jobs over the years, but I didn't work at very not not many big companies. Okay. So it wasn't probably typical of you know the structure here in America, but I was certainly in um, you know accounting, administration, uh, office management, that type of thing, and then. When I came here, I only came for three months on a visitor's visa, and my friend, who's like a second mother to me in England, took my job to hold it for me, so I had a job to go back to when I left the U.S. Well, that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I once I met my husband. That's the reason I'm still here. Uh, two months after I got here, we met. We were actually married that year, five months later. That's 19 years this December. Oh, good for you. And uh, so then once I, you know, was able to make decisions about working here because I would have my papers, I actually then started out in the real estate business, which is very stressful. Oh, my gosh, I know. And, yes. and so I, you know, just continued this pattern of stress and making choices that would keep me stressed out and overweight. And so I am still licensed, but I'm not really um, active in that field now. And uh, so basically, I start, well, back to that. I started my own uh, office brokerage in 2002. Okay. I continued with that until 2008. My mum passed away in 2008. 21 months later, my dad passed away very unexpectedly. And then I got those fibroids. So it was like this journey of... Yeah 
quite a few interruptions, really, if you can call them that. Yep. But they were really, um, there were so many blessings along the way. And I, I call those three things, they were my catalyst for change. Okay. And so um, I feel like with, with the workplace now, everybody is so busy and often think that they don't have time to work with a coach, that they don't have the time to, it feels like another job, you know, to start paying attention to ourselves and start to um, get things ready the night before, ready for the day, and really start to, you know, it, it takes work. I mean, Larry Wingett, I think it was Larry, says, you know, the dirtiest four-letter word in America is work, and it takes work. Right. But once you get over that, you know, that learning curve, for me and many others that I've worked with, it's become, it, it's a passion. It There's nothing more beautiful in my opinion. I mean, there are lots of things that are beautiful, but to feel well, to wake up without aches and pains, to have a good positive attitude, to feel like life is worth living, right. not be wondering if you've taken your medicines at the right time every day. You know, it's just like it creates such freedom and it's worth that bit of effort because it does take effort to make changes <clears throat> regardless of what they are. Mm -hmm. And so it's worth every bit of that. And so I decided to take it to the workplace because there's, um, you know, people are already there. Mm -hmm. Employers are, have pretty hefty expenses these days, especially here in the U.S. With, um, they may already be offering some kind of a wellness program, but oftentimes there are gaps. It, so it could be somebody, um, you know, you could call a helpline or something, like an assisted, um, an employee-assisted program. Um, but from my experience, I found that there's a lack of engagement and participation with those types of offerings. And so employers are doing something to offer something to their workforce, but they're not seeing a return on the investment and employees are not really getting the benefit of what's being offered. Right. So that's sort of where I come in. And they're, everybody's situation, although the sort of overarching problems are the same, the company culture is a bit different. You know, the demographics are a bit different. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, like it's not a one-size-fits-all for us as consumers. You know, one person's poison could be another person, uh, one person's food could be another person's poison. So it's still about individuality, um, even when it comes down to a company's uh, culture and approach to how they want to handle it. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> as an old HR person, uh, I can tell you the struggle that you have as a division or department in trying to support that culture change and support that embracing of a healthy atmosphere. And really, it is a 360-degree kind of concept of, of optimum health, not just food, not just stress, that sort of thing. And that issue that Dr. Dyer raised about the inconsistency and what's your intention, it, you know, that is really very challenging as, because I used to be in meetings where we would talk about this kind of thing. I didn't work in benefits, but often it, one of the companies I worked for, all of the HR managers would come in and would talk about a problem from various Side, so we would all get to contribute our thoughts so that person who did have to make the decision, whether it was the VP of compensation or the SVP of HR, 
had all the information from their resident experts, you know, the managers. And it's challenging because then, yeah, how do you best support the employees to make the change as you, the company, are doing it? So, there, you know, do you offer incentives? And, and I think that that then relates to us as individuals, what drives us and what's going to get me to sustain my behavior change over time as well. And it's usually a complicated decision for a combination of things for each one of us because we are unique. So, right. Okay, you amen know, with that. Yeah. In, in the company, I mean, sometimes depending on the size of the company, the executives, you know, the, the, uh, the top uh, employees within the firm may want to I've had people approach me just to offer this to their officers, for example, to start right. with, so that they then become the leaders of the pack, that they, they're doing it, and then it trickles down to the employees. And then the management are more educated and more um, committed and engaged in the process. Another great, a great motivator is a competition, a contest mm -hmm. among the participants. Right. And, uh, you know, these are all the things that I facilitate. And there's nothing, you know, like getting a bit of friendly competition going. Right. And when people start to see results, uh, and I know we've all been there before, you know, we wait till New Year's Eve, uh, I mean, New Year's Day, our New Year's resolutions, or we wait till Monday or next month or whatever, and we do fall off. But the thing is, is that when we want something bad enough, we don't. And some people who get a diagnosis still don't necessarily make the necessary changes. So, you know, it's a deeper issue, but we have to get started. Right. And once we start to peel away the layers, then we, we start to discover more of who we are and what we've stuffed down for all those years and that we're worthy of living in a healthy body yeah. and a yeah. healthy mind and spirit. Yeah. And that issue of worthy is huge. Yeah. And I think that really it's the root of so many issues that we wrestle with is we just frankly don't believe that we deserve. Yeah, it is. It's true it's self care, good yeah. food. Yeah. And, and as we do this more and more, it just, it gains momentum. It's like a car that's parked. It's not going anywhere, but once we get it in, once we turn on the engine and start to move, it gets, it goes faster. Right. You know, it's like that with us and, and, any kind of change that we want to implement. Right. So a uh, couple more questions about building your business, because I, I know there are people listening or watching this who may be thinking, you know, that they've got an, a passion, an issue that has really been a, a strong one for them, and they would like to make this then their life's work, helping other people the way they've been helped and the way they've solved the particular problem they have. So I know that, you, you know, yes, you have the best-selling book. You've also been featured in a lot of media. You've all the major networks, big podcasts, including the relaunch show, and you've even been on Bloomberg News. Can you talk about that a little bit? Did you have a lot of experience being featured in media, being interviewed, or was this new to you? How did you get the, the courage to do that? Well, great question again, Winnie. Um, well, where do I start? It's, it just feels like it's been um, a, a fast-paced journey, okay. actually. Fast-paced journey. 
but again, I'm, I'm on it with consciousness, so I don't let myself get run ragged. Um, I'm an avid learner, and I'm every day I'm learning something. In the beginning, when I look back, I didn't have a clear plan about how to go forward. So I, I took this course and that course, and I, I listened to this one and that one. And what I found was that nobody really told me how to put the pieces together in the right order. So, you know, like when you make a puzzle, you, we tend to go for the, outs the corner pieces first, right? right? The outside pieces. And right. then we put the colors that are similar together. And then we start to build the puzzle. Right. And one of my pieces of advice for the listeners, I think if somebody had told me this starting out, it would have been, um, you know, it would have been easier. So is to really think about the bigger plan. Like we all, many of us have a passion. Many of us want to help other people. My emphasis personally has never been on the money. I don't have a problem with money. I like money. It's our currency. We don't trade in sheep and goats. But I've been, never been driven by the money. And there are people out there that are. So I've been sold to many times. None of it is a waste because it's all brought me full circle. Um, but I would say that to be to be to think about the bigger picture, like when we have this passion and we're just so eager to get out there and get the word out there and start helping other people, is to be a bit more strategic about it. So some things I did more than once. You know, I went I went down one road and it didn't quite take me where I thought it would, and so I I redid something or tried it with a different person. Um, I do believe nothing is ever a waste, that it, it does bring us to where we are. And um, I'm thankful for all of my experiences. And um, I think that in our day and age today, it's so noisy out there. There's so many, everybody wants to grab our attention. And so just decide, like, look, start with the, as they say, start with the end in mind and work back. So does somebody want to be pre predominantly a public speaker? Do they want to be an author and go on the road? Um, do they want to work one-on-one um, -on -one solely with people? You know, what is, how is it they want to deliver that message? It could right. be a combination of all of them. Um, for me, once, once the word started to get out, people were finding me. Okay. And so in the beginning, I did... Um, look to be you know I would reach out to people to be interviewed and that's sort of what got me some traction okay but then I've I'm not really reaching out now people have been fine you know it's been going on for a while now and people are finding me okay. but I think when we're so eager we can um we can often get discouraged in the beginning because things aren't going the way we want them to or as quickly as we'd like them to but when we're, my dad always had a saying, when you work from the heart, the pocket will follow. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that if we just keep, keep the, the reason why we're doing something top of mind and always about being of service to other people and caring about them enough for, for them to have the transformation that they're looking for and not be driven by our own, um, you know, financial goals or what other goals we have, you know, to boost our ego or whatever. 
So did you, did you use any strategies to get comfortable with those first few interviews? Did you do any, you know, last-minute preparation? Or did you have talking points already that you were able to provide those folks? How did that actually work? Yeah, I, I did, actually. Well, in the, be in the beginning, I was so nervous. I thought, what if I answer, if, what if I don't know the answer to something? Right. And then I realized... How could I not have the answer? Because this is my story. This is my journey. I mean, it's this is about me sharing how I got here. So once I relaxed about that and realized that, hey, this is just a conversation. You know, this is people today want real. We don't want polished. We want real. We want to connect with people. We want authenticity more than ever, I think, today. Right. And, and then... As things progressed, people would ask me to provide questions. Um, oftentimes, we never stuck to the questions because the conversation just flowed. Right. But it was a starting point. Um, and then, you know, oftentimes you feel like you could chat for hours. But, of course, on these types of things, we, you know, we have to keep it within a certain time frame. But the more I learned to stay in the flow, the more I just didn't worry about how I looked or what I said and just came from my heart, which is where I prefer to be. Um, everything just then flowed. And, you know, I've heard from lots of other people when they get started that, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous. I'm having my first interview. And then I tell them, just be yourself. People want to connect with you. You know, just, just be who you are, and then you can't go wrong. Yeah. And tell yourself what you would tell your best friend. You'll be great. But if you feed into that, oh, I'm so nervous, then it just perpetuates that state of nervousness as your brain continues to chew on the I'm nervous issue. So the more you tell yourself, I mean, obviously I must know what I'm talking about. They wouldn't have me on. So, right. you know, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. Really, I mean, we're supposed to be our own best friend. So that, that's great information. So let's wrap up with... Do you know uh, or do you have any tips that you want to share for, with people who may be looking at their own journey and then saying, you know what, I figured this problem out for me, others must have it, and I want to get this message out and help them as well, like you're doing, you know, the old make your mess your message kind of thing. Any any tips or strategies for, for that? Yes, great question again, Winnie. Um, and I didn't provide you with any questions. <laughs> no, I made them all up myself. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, actually, not that I don't appreciate it when somebody has prepared questions, but even then, I don't. I use them as a launching point. So, yes, you're actually hearing I create every single question, custom for every single person. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say that to make money costs money. You have to invest. You have to invest in uh, your education further. Um, just because we're passionate about something doesn't mean that we know how to do it, um, how to teach it to others or how to get it out there. Some will tell you that you don't need an email list. Others will tell you uh, that you do. People will say Facebook ads or any Social media ads are the best thing since sliced bread. Others will say your book is the best thing you can do. Others will say you need to learn video. You need to make a video. Do it every week. Ah. And it's like 
I've done, I've done all these things and um, none of them by themselves have created the solution, you know, has been the tipping point. So it's like a recipe, I suppose, you know, you need the right, you need the ingredients to make that taste, whatever that recipe is. If you leave something out, it's not going to taste right. And so with this recipe for business, it's not something, it's not going to happen as quickly as making a cake, you know, or stir fry. It's, uh, it takes time. And I think to be, to realize that once you start your business and it's something you're so passionate about, you just can't wait to help other people. This is not an overnight thing. This is a recipe of a number of things. We get to choose what the recipe consists of. Where do we want to put our energy and keep top of mind that we need to keep ourselves well in all of this because uh, if we're not well what's the point of trying to build something and and then just be unwell during it or at the end of it once we've reached that milestone or wherever it is we want to go and we're just a wreck at the end of it you know especially in the health coaching field if we don't look well nobody's going to believe us anyway so, you know, we have, it's important to walk our talk, not just think that, hey, we can make, you know, millions of dollars doing this. It's to stay in integrity, remain authentic, and decide what ingredients you want in that recipe. Yeah. So if it's, um, like, I'm so comfortable now on camera. Oh, gosh, I never used to be at all. And so I worked with a video coach. Um, I I'm love to speak, but... My thing is about perfection. And so it would be that, well, my gosh, I got too much into my head and not enough in my body and knowing myself enough to know that I can deliver the message without it being scripted and without me worrying I'm going to go off track with something. But I've worked with um, a, a, you know, a, a speaking coach. I've, I've worked with lots of different coaches. But I didn't, as I said earlier, I didn't have, I didn't have the sequence. It's like certain recipes, you need to put certain things in at the right time. You can't just dump it all in the bowl, you know. And so in a way, I tried everything. I just was like dumping it all in the bowl and uh, with not, no, no bigger view of the direction I was going in. Yeah. But, um, you know, if I can help somebody to think about this a little more than I did when I started out. Um, I think that would be um, that's that's great advice. If somebody was giving me that advice, I would certainly take it. <laughs> yeah, I, and you hit so many great key points there, and and probably the biggest one for me is this conflicting information and recommendations that you're going to get from gurus and from other entrepreneurs. So. Not that any of that advice is bad. It's it's what worked for them, and it's what they see as. Of course, we're all we're all recovering whatever's right. So something worked for us, and we're like, oh my gosh, you have to do it. Um, so I think we do need to take all that with a grain of salt and decide what is right for us and where does this fit in because it is not any one single thing, as you said. It really is a combination of things built on. A great message you've got to have to me in my opinion that's the ultimate point you've got to have a great clear message 
that is focused on the problem and the solution for a very clear, specific audience. And yeah. if you don't, I don't care what you do, it's just not going to hit home and it's going to take longer than you would like it to to get traction. Exactly. So. Yeah. And, you know, some of the, as we call them, heavy hitters out there, you know, you sign up for their free offer and then I've had emails like 13 emails in one day from people and none of us want that today. We're all tired of that approach. So even as we build out our campaigns, you know, keep in mind that people just don't want to be sold to. People don't want to be bombarded and to be to take a, a more caring approach to it. I feel like I, um, I just go off those lists when I it's like, you know. Yep. You've got you've got ten minutes left. It's just ten minutes. It's it's yes. We need to remind people that this offer is going away. Right. Um, you know, once they present it to you, but there's a there's a way to do it, and all of that heavy hitting, and you just feel like you're a number, not a person. Yep. Um, so I think to keep that in mind, you know, not to keep flooding your your um, prospects or your clients with, you know, bombarding them too much. And others will disagree with that. They'll say, well, you need to you need to be top of mind. You know, everybody has the rebuttal for everything. Right. So that's exactly right. And I, and I think that the key is to look at what's out there, look at what our best practice is, and then also consider yourself. Because it, whether somebody says, well, you should be emailing your list X number of times. How does that feel for you? Exactly. And, and know that you're not always your target audience, but still your point is well taken. We're all really overwhelmed. And if you're not adding value, but you're always asking for something, people are going to quickly get sick of you and, and let, let you go. And I think it's finding the balance that is right for you, right for your audience, and that, that feels good but is still a stretch because otherwise I'd never send anything out. So, you know, you have to say, right? You've got to find a good balance that's comfortable for you and and that does take time and not be ter terrified if somebody unsubscribes because we all do that. We're all fed up for, a, you know, a moment maybe and then we come back or whatever. Yeah. Ellie, it's been fantastic talking to you. Oh, thank tell, you. Let's tell everybody where they can go to learn more about you and and what their next step would be if they, they do want to learn more about what you offer. Sure. Um, well, my website is my name, elliesavoy.com. There's an opportunity there to get a free copy of my book. It's um, the entire book, not just one or two chapters, uh, Stop Dieting, Start Living. And uh, it's, you know, in digital format. But uh, if somebody wants to buy it, it's also on Amazon in, in various um, options, Kindle, etc., even audio. And I also have, well, people can see, I don't want to ramble too much, but there's an opportunity there where somebody can get started. It's $7 for seven days um, to jump into a program with me. Okay. Um, all the information is there. Uh, there's the information about my corporate section. So there's just, uh, it's kind of a simple 
you know, website uh, with information that hopefully will be of help to, to many people. Outstanding. And of course, we'll have links to all of that, including Ellie's book and, and directly to her website. And I'll also include some of the clips of her on video so you can see exactly what she's talking about. And you can think, hey, you know, I could probably use that technique too. So great having you and chatting soon. Thank you, Winnie. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. I hope you found that helpful. If you like this episode, I hope you'll share it with those in your networks and communities. Leave a positive review on the platform where you are enjoying this and become a fan of the show at winnieanderson.com slash fans. When you do, you'll receive episodes emailed to you, and you'll also receive information, tips, and resources to help you break free from self-doubt, fears, and disempowering patterns, as well as business development strategies to help you profit from your expertise by positioning and pre-selling yourself as the unique solution provider you are. Okay, so normally I would share your cocktail exercise at this point. A cocktail exercise is what I call a reflection exercise, but I'm going to do things a little differently in this episode. I want to share some additional insight into building a business that's grown out of something you have overcome or are overcoming yourself. First of all, whether it's an emotional health or physical health issue or you got yourself out of debt or you've overcome some other big issue or you have a wound that you're working to address. Like, for example, I know trauma coaches who have been through trauma, career coaches who have been through career upheavals, doctors whose family had health issues. I think one big thing is to make sure that you are on the road to wellness yourself. You want to be at such a point in your healing journey that you can talk about it without getting overly emotional and you're far enough along the path that you have valuable insight to share to others who are just starting out. Now, don't think that you need to be 100% fixed or you need to have achieved some lofty goal in order to do this, but you want to be far enough along that, again, you feel really confident about what you're talking about. So the next step is to fully think through your own message and your own story. Those who you're most likely to help, especially at first, will resonate with your story as well as with your path to healing or success or you know whatever you want to call the outcome that you created that you want to help others create for themselves now. So next is then to think about your point of view. This is the part of your message that is actually it's the core element that forms the foundation of your brand and it's a big big part of what makes you you. After that, you want to think about what you actually did to achieve the outcome that you have. You know, you want to document your system. This is a, where journaling can really come in handy. Now, why did you take the steps that you took and what things did you do that actually helped you and put them into a system. And don't start thinking, hey, I've never done that, so I can't do it. All you need is to have somebody talk to you about your you know, how you got where you are, and then just record it. And in there will lie all the things that we're talking about. And then start talking about it. You might not think it's very pretty, because I didn't think it was pretty either, but 
I just started talking about it and explaining where I was, what I had gone through, what I had achieved, and where I was going. And, you know, Einstein talks talked about how you don't actually know something until you can explain it. So start discussing what you did and how you did it. And study it. Start collecting information and data about it. Now, when I was on my road to recovery from the experiences I had as, as a child from my child abuse, and then uh, the abuse I lived through as an adult and the bullying in the workplace, I must have read half a dozen or more books about it, and as well as I, you know, I went through therapy, and I continue to read about trauma, about how it shapes the brain, how it impacts people, and what the latest thinking is about it, and how going through those negative experiences then shape us where it comes to habits, success, and those sort of sorts of things. So you really want to become the source of information for that particular topic. Look at who starts to pay attention as you start talking about it and, and who gets attracted to you. Do some research with others who have achieved the outcome that you want, that you have, or that you're on the way to achieve. Read books by experts. Do what are called informational interviews where you find out, you know, how did you do it? Um, and then start talking to those who may be just beginning their journey. Find out what they need, what do they see as the problem, listen to the language that they use around it. Then you can start to think about what you can offer them. And coaching might be the first thing that you do, one-on-one -on -one private coaching. My past guest, Jessica Yarbrough, she charged people $20 when she started out and now she makes six figures. So charge something as you start to work through all of this and as you start to work with people and then raise your rates, you know, as your confidence grows and as you begin to see results from the work that you're doing with other people and as you build your systems and your processes. Making your, mess, your message is a powerful calling. I firmly believe that I suffered what I went through in order to prepare me to help those I'm meant to work with. Maybe you are too. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Courageous Entrepreneur. If you'd like to help in putting together a coaching or consulting business that's focused on helping others overcome what you have overcome, then you might be interested in my Foundation for Success program. Head over to winnieanderson.com slash foundation to learn more about that. Thanks again. And remember, you deserve all the success you dream of.